Hallelujah. Verse number 16. Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. Thank you, Lord. Again, it's good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let God do what he wants to do in you today. The word of the Lord says in Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. This is the Apostle Paul writing this, by the way. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Keyword, believeth. Believeth is different from believe. Believe is a one-time thing. Believe it is a continuation in what you believe. So when you believe it, it means you continue in what you say you believe. When you believe, you just believe at that time. Oftentimes people believe. So they believe for that moment and leave it right there. But when you believe it, you continue in what you say you believe. So to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All this is saying is, I brought this word to the Jews first and then to everybody else afterwards. God wasn't being biased. He just brought the word of God to a, 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 a group of people. Somebody had to start with it. Somebody had to start with it. And so... He brought the word to a group of people. Some of them received and some of them didn't. But he said, that's where I brought the word first. And then I just started bringing the word throughout the world so everyone else can receive it. The Apostle Paul says he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And today I want to talk to you on this topic. I am not ashamed to be saved. I am not ashamed to be saved. I am not ashamed to be saved. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need your power and your spirit to move upon us. That, Lord God, this word that will be spoken into our hearing, let it go deep down in our heart. Let it begin to minister to us and move us, Lord God. Lord, we no longer are satisfied being complacent, stagnated. But, Lord, we know you're up to something. There are greater things in store for us. And so today, Lord God, we pray that you will help us, stir us, and move us, guide us, and, Lord God, enable us to do that which you want us to do. Start today, Lord God, by moving us to the place where we will respond to the word of God today. That, Lord God, we will never be the same. I pray the gifts of the Spirit to operate. I pray for conversion today. I pray for deliverance and healing and restoration. I pray today, Lord God, that there will be miracles, signs, and wonders. That when we leave this place today, Lord God, certainly we will be able to say the power of God was among us and moving. Lord Jesus, touch each and every person that is here this morning, that they will never be the same. We ask you all of these things in the wonderful and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Can everyone say amen? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Just give him a hand clap of praise and say, thank you, Jesus. 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 
Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm not ashamed to be saved. Many Christians today, exuberance, commitment, and dedication to Jesus Christ seem to have faded. And mainly because of the unbelieving world around us. Exuberance, commitment, and dedication faded. Seemed like it's gone from us. And this is mainly because of the unbelieving world around us. I read something by this man by the name of Joseph Grenny. He's a speaker, author, um, graduated from one of the Ivy Leagues. And I read a lot of things that he was saying. One of the things that stuck out to me more than anything else is he said, lose the accomplices and get coaches and friends in your life. Lose the accomplices just to help everybody so we can be on the same page. Usually when we're doing something that we claim we need to do, it, it's wrong, but we justify it. We're normally doing that and having an accomplice with us someone else involved, or something else involved. And so as long as you keep the accomplice, you will keep doing it. But if you will lose the accomplice and begin to focus on a coach, focus on a friend, someone that will tell you the truth and help you to accomplish the right things, then we can change our circumstance. Then we can change our situation. But as long as we keep the accomplice with us, we can never overcome. We have allowed the unbelieving world to influence us to the point where we are now ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are ashamed to say we're Christians these days. We are ashamed to look and act like Christians. Countless amount of Christians today have adjusted their Christian lifestyle to not stand out in the unbelieving world. You know what we call that? Being ashamed. You don't want to stand out. You don't want to stand for who you are. You just want to fit in. You've adjusted to how you live for God just so you won't stand out. Hmm. You have done the total opposite. Of what God would like for you to do. God wants you to stand out. He says that we are the light of the world. And if we don't stand out, then we're no light of the world. But somehow we're trying to make sure we fit 
in the world fit in so we don't stand out. And God is saying, are you kidding me? I want you to stand out because that's how you will shine your light. You're not a physical light as one of these bulbs and given light for like a bulb, but you're a light in a different way. You're bringing knowledge and you're bringing understanding to lost people. And God wants you to stand out so the people who are lost can know where to go to understand who he is. When we adjust who we are, when we, when we try to, to, to downplay who we are, we're defeating the purpose of why God saved us. God saved us so we can spend eternity with him. God saved us so we can have a relationship with him. But God also saved us so we can be a light in this world. There's a reason why when you first got saved, for those of you who are saved, there's a reason why you didn't just ascend to heaven immediately when you were born again, baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's a reason you didn't ascend to heaven when that occurred. Why? He's called you to be a light. He's called you to be an influence. He's called you to make a difference. And if when you get saved, you left this world, who would people see and look at to understand where to go and what to do? They wouldn't have anybody. So if you become like them, what hope do they have? Do not let people fool you. Do not let people fool you. Understand this. Understand this. If you get with somebody and you and them start doing wrong, you're not going to influence them. No matter what, you're not going to influence them. So you thinking that you can fit in with people and so you're going to help them, that's false. You're not going to help anybody by becoming like them. Because when they get into a serious jam, they're going to remember you was doing like they were doing. So they're going to try to find somebody that was not doing what they were doing. They're going to look for somebody that says, let me find a real Christian. Yeah, that's what they would do. Let me find a real Christian. And you're saying, no, but I'm real. They're like, no, nah, not really. Now, I'm not saying that you couldn't have been messing up at the time, but now you got it on the right track. Yeah, that could be the case. But what I'm trying to tell you is, if you hang with people that are not Christians and live the way they live, when time comes for them to get serious, they're not coming to you. That's all I'm saying. And so it doesn't make good sense for us to try to fit in with the ways of this unbelieving world when we're really not like them doesn't make sense. And so, we need not to be ashamed. Even in the church, in church services, praises to the Lord Jesus has faded. Responses to the word of God, the preached word, has faded. We respond in condescending ways and we allow our eyes to be averted to something else because we're not treating this this gospel sacredly. We're not treating this gospel with respect. We're not treating this gospel the way we're supposed to. We're just trying to fit in. We've allowed stuff to fade away and not allowing this gospel to do what it's supposed to do. These actions are considered being ashamed. I know you didn't want to categorize it like that, but when you deny this gospel, you must be ashamed of it while you're denying it. Ironically, listen to this. 
when we first experienced, for some of you, when you first experienced, when this was new to you, let me say it this way, when this was new to you, when you came to church and the Spirit of God moved on you, and, and you, you experienced the power of God, and you received His Spirit, and you gave your life to God, at that time you were so excited that it didn't matter who you told, and it didn't matter how you look. I remember when I first got saved, I was just out of control, and I would just flaunt it. I would act like this is the best thing that could ever happen to anyone. I didn't care what nobody thought about me. I wasn't trying to fit in with nobody. I wasn't acting like nobody else but who Jesus wanted me to be. And then I started living for God a little bit more. I started living for God a little and all of a sudden now I'm being a little cool. I'm talking about me. You go ahead and fix your own business. But I'm talking about me. All of a sudden I'm a little bit cool now. I'm trying to be a little bit conservative. I still know the word. I still want to reach people. But now all of a sudden I'm laid back. But when I first got saved, I would just walk in the room and tell people, you need to go to church. You need to give your life to Christ. I wouldn't hesitate to say the things of God. I wasn't hesitating to look godly and to carry myself godly. I did it, and I did it with excitement. I did it, and I did it with joy. I did it with pride. I'm like, look at me. I'm going to church. And whatever the preacher preached, I did it because I was excited to be saved. How did that feed? How did that fade away? There were people in the church. Be careful because here's how church operate a lot of times. I remember when I was new and I came into church and everything that was going on, I tried to do it. And everything the preacher said, I tried to do it. But there were some saints that was always been around says, I ain't doing that. You, you, you crazy. That preacher crazy. I'm not doing that. So you had some that was living for God for a while. All of a sudden, they ain't doing that. But me, the new jack that just came in, oh, I'm doing all that. And they start like, he crazy. He gonna find out. That's not how that go. And I'm doing all this stuff and they all sitting back, the, the ones that's been there for a while. That ain't necessary. <laughs> Man, seasoned Christians. Religious people that just come to church. Mm-hmm. Help us, God, because y'all, y'all are hurting yourselves and you're hurting other people. I ain't doing that. That ain't necessary. Are you kidding me? When you first came into church, uh, you didn't say that. But all of a sudden, you've been in the church five years. All of a sudden, you've been in the church ten years. And now, that ain't necessary. I don't know about all that. Remember, I always tell you this. The preacher could be wrong, but if you obey, God will bless you. I I learned that a long time ago. The preacher can tell you something that might not be legitimate and might not be right. And and guess what? You and your intellectual sophisticated self like, oh, that don't sound right. That don't make sense. Okay. You may be right. But guess what? You're going to be just where you are and you're going to have to keep on doing what you're doing and keep on struggling what you're struggling with and keep on ignoring it and say, well, God will do something and years go by and God don't do anything. But if you sit there and say, that's what you said, preacher, well, that's what I'm going to do. Guess what? God will have mercy upon your soul and says, you obeyed me by obeying the preaching of the word of God. It's not your fault why the preacher wrong. So I'm going to bless you no matter what. The preacher can be wrong, but God is always right. And if you sit under the word of God and the preacher preach something that ain't right, that's all right. But if God will honor you for obeying, then you will get it right. It's the way it works. So you, you you don't have to worry. You're safe by just obeying the preaching of the Word of God. 
For some of us, to avoid being ashamed of the gospel of Christ, we tend to speak up about our faith. We, we tend not to speak up about our faith or just be anonymous. Almost like we're keeping a secret. We sit in a group of people at work or wherever, and we kind of blend right in with everybody else. And nobody really know who you really are because you're just incognito. And nobody gets to get help. You have no idea what somebody's going through. Can I tell you this? You may be taken for granted what God has already deposited in you. You're taking for granted what God has already deposited in you because somebody could be going through a, 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 a situation that's just so difficult for them. But you heard something preached in church the day before or you, you read something in the Word of God and you, you just have it in your heart. And now all of a sudden, because you didn't hide yourself from being a Christian, because you didn't try to make it like you're not, you're not a Christian, all of a sudden that person say, let me talk to you. You know why they say let me talk to you? Because they feel like... I can talk to you. Everybody else seemed to gossip around here. Everybody else seemed to tell other people's business. But I ain't never heard nothing about you telling anybody else's business. So let me talk to you. And now all of a sudden they're talking to you. Why? Because you're different from everybody else. But lo and behold, we're trying to be like everybody else. We're trying to be like everybody else. And people are looking for people that's not like them. But we're trying to be like everybody else. How does that work? How does that work when, when the world that is lost is trying their best to find someone that they can confide in, someone that can tell them something that will help them, someone that can, can, can give them a good advice in, in the way to go. They're looking for that. They're not telling you that, but they're looking for it because they're not going to say one word until they feel safe. But because you want to blend in like everybody else. I remember... When I used to go to the lunch dinners, the the, the, the um the the, the 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 lunches and dinners that um, company would do, and you know these lunches and dinners, man, you can get anything you want, especially the dinners. They got red wine, white wine, whatever cocktail you want, everything that is all there. And I just used to smile. I said, I'm getting ready to drink my water, and let me tell you how deep I go. If the cocktail that they serve come in the same kind of glass as a Coke. I'm not ordering a Coke. <laughs> Y'all don't want to hear from me this morning. If the rum and Coke and a regular Coke come in the same type of glass, I'm not ordering a Coke. Because you're, go I want you to know that I'm not like you. I want you to know that I'm a child of God. I want you to know what's up with him. Because I want you to come and ask me, who are you? Why aren't you drinking? Why aren't you? I'm waiting for you to come to me. I got to differentiate myself big time. I'm not trying to be braggadocious or proud. I just know I'm on a mission for Jesus. I just know I'm on this course that the Lord has set me on. And the only way I'm going to make a difference is by letting them know I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. He has set me on this course. And I'm on a mission. And if you need help, here I am. I can only do that by being different. So if I got to drink water in the water glass, that everybody know that's the water glass right there. If that's all I got to drink for the rest of the night, that's all I got to drink while everybody's sipping on their cocktail. They're going to know that joke is not sipping. 
I got I got I got somebody at the company, my, my boss. I love my boss. Him and I have been together all ever since I've been at the at, at, at the company over 22 years. And and um, he goes to a different kind of church. And so every once in a while he sip on his red wine. Every once in a while he sip on his white wine. I'm not judging him, but I just know they look around and say he says a Christian, but he sip white wine. He says a Christian, but he never drinks. I, I want to feel like because I never do that, they're going to feel like, well, he's a little different kind of Christian. I want to talk to him. That's how I'm believing that they're going to look around and say, he's a different kind of Christian. Let me talk to him. Because when people start getting squeezed in their situation, when, when things start happening uh, that they need an answer for, they're coming to the real deal people. They're not coming to the ones that sort of kind of. They're coming to the real deal people. If you have children uh, and you want them saved, uh, you're going to have to be the real deal. Uh, they're going to have to see consistency in your life. You go you can go for 10 15 years and and none of your family members change. Don't get frustrated. Remember at the end of the day anyway you living to get to heaven and keep your relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you put 20 years in and the people you want to see saved still ain't saved, don't get frustrated with that cuz you still saved. Ah. You still living for God. You still loving God. You still have a great hope. You still going to heaven. So keep living for God, even though the people you love don't live for God. And you're doing your best to be a good example. Keep on living for Jesus. Don't be ashamed to be saved. Don't be ashamed to be saved. Shame takes a stronghold in the Christian's life. When we think unbelievers will openly ridicule us for our faith. So we start to let shame set in because we're saying, if I start to let people know I'm saved, they're going to give me a hard time. Yes. Can I give you some perspective? So what if they give me a hard time? I'm on my way to heaven. They're not on their way to heaven. But I'm on my way to heaven. So if they give me a hard time, I'm okay with it. I will handle it. Listen, there are some things you got to take like this. This is how you do a lot of things. God, you allow this to happen in my life. Allow me to learn from this. Allow me to act the right way in all of this. Allow me to show my Christian values in all of this. I'm not going to say, Lord, why? Or this is of the devil. No, the Lord allow it. So let me start operating and figure out what God is trying to do in my life. So we allow shame to take a stronghold in our life to control us because we're worried about unbelievers openly ridiculing us. We, 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 we allow shame to take hold in our life when we think friends and family will desert us for our faith. Let me tell you something. Friends and family... Might, 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 might stay away from you when you first get saved. They, they might not want to have anything to do with you. Give it a little time. Things start changing in their life and you keep walking the walk. A little bit of time, they'll scoot back over to you. You still in church, huh? Uh-huh. That's how they just take their time to scoot back over. You still in church, huh? What you up to? And now they want to talk to you. Because life is life. And life will destroy and ruin and it will do all kind of things to you. And the only answer to life and to overcome and be victorious is Jesus Christ. Life will do you in. And the only way you can go and move through it and not worry is with Jesus. 
So don't you worry about if I'm dedicated to the Lord and living for the Lord, my family are going to desert me. I remember, I don't know, this, I don't know, Lord, I don't know if this is a good subject you wanted me to preach this morning because I got too many things to put into how this all work. I remember when I got saved, first got saved. Again, I tell you, when you first get saved, how I was like, I remember when I first got saved and uh, I used to work in the restaurant business at that time. I was being a waiter. And I remember a waiter, well, waiters uh, that work dinner shift, they kind of roll on their own because when they're working, everybody else is just having a good time. So as as a waiter, we go to work at like four. We got to set up our stations, be ready. So when dinner starts at five o'clock, we're ready to go. And so people are coming in to enjoy themselves and we're working. So when we're done working at 10, 1030, we're still hyped up, adrenaline still flowing, and we just can't go to bed right away. Remember, we don't go to work again the next day till probably about 10, 30, 11 to do the lunch shift. And so our adrenaline is just, just at an all-time high, and we don't have to wake up till about 10 o'clock in the morning. So we just, what we do is we hang out. We go drinking. Yeah, because all the waiters knew all the other waiters, and we knew all the other bartenders. So we just, so we just all support one another. So when we left our restaurant, we go to the next place that opened till late. And so we'll leave there, we'll go, we'll go sit at the bar, we'll drink all night long till the bar closed, then we'll go home. That's what waiters do, just telling you. And so that's what we used to do. So I remember when I got saved, they said to me, come on, Wayne, you can just come with us and drink cranberry juice. That's what they said. You can just drink cranberry juice, Wayne, just come on. I mean, it's not that serious. And I said, nope, not even drinking cranberry juice. I'm not showing up at the bar and sitting with you because it's still the same kind of thing. Church, we have to make sure we do what is right and pleasing to the Lord. I said this yesterday before prayer. If you know that when you stay close to the edge, all it's going to take is a strong wind or a nudge to push you off, why do you get so close to it? Why? I don't understand that. And we do that all the time with our walk with God. We're walking close to it. Like, and, and proud that we're not doing it. You're going to do it eventually. You're too close to it. And once you get close to it, it's going to, somebody that you, you, you have a relationship is going to say, come on, let's roll. And at some point, sooner or later, you're going to say, all right. When I got saved and they wanted me to go to hang out after work, I said, nope, not doing it. I wouldn't go. Eventually, they did one of the sweetest things they could ever do. They, they, you know, that's when the coffee houses was just getting big and, you know, um, you know, coffee and dessert started getting big in Princeton. They said, all right, we'll go to the dessert shop and we'll do coffee and dessert. There was no alcohol, no nothing in that coffee and dessert shop. And they said, all right, that's where we're going. Because I held out and not joining with them, they planned something that made it responsible for me to go to and have an impact in their life. But we keep on giving up. We keep on giving in and thinking that, oh, you know, I don't see what's wrong with this. Shame takes a stronghold in our life. When we are worried, we may be poor examples as a Christian or we possibly can be a hypocrite. So sometimes, sometimes we, we low-key in what we believe. Sometimes we're laid back in what we believe. Sometimes we're not trying to let people know what we believe because we're worried about them saying, I thought you was a Christian. 
So guess what we do? We take the easy way out. We just don't say anything. We don't let anybody know anything. So if I mess up, nobody can judge me. No, no, no. Be a Christian. Let your light shine. And when you mess up, that gives you a great opportunity to be a witness. How many times I got to tell you, Bob, if you're doing it right, doing it right, and one day somebody got on your nerves so bad that you curse, it's almost they like, got it, got you. It's almost like they wanted to get you. And all Bob got to do is just say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. Give me the strength to not allow myself to get into a place like this, but to turn away from that kind of behavior and to stay away from those things that will get me to sin against you. And once you get that going, then you go to the person that he cussed in front of and said, I cursed the other day in front of you. I'm not a, that wasn't Christian. Like I'm still a Christian, but that was wrong of me doing. Please forgive me. And you move on. You're a witness now. Now they just met a real Christian. You're not a hypocritical Christian. We, 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 we mess, we mess with these things and thinking that, oh, the devil just trick us and make us think that, oh, you know, if, if you're not the perfect example, you might as well not be an example. No, that's not right. No, you, you get a great opportunity to be a real Christian when you mess up in front of people and you go to Jesus Christ and you ask for forgiveness from him and then you go to the people or the individual and says, I messed up. Forgive me, my bad. That's not, that's not a Christian-like behavior. And you walk away and you start back over how you're supposed to live as a Christian. And you don't worry about it because you know what? That's a testimony. And that individual or those people will tell you, real Christian, they acknowledge they're wrong. Why? Society don't acknowledge they're wrong. We make excuses. Society make excuses for when they do wrong. Another reason why the, the, the shame takes stronghold in our life, it takes a stronghold when we allow society to emphasize to us that our success and our achievements is more are, are more worth, have more worth than our relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm a big believer in education. I'm a big believer in being intelligent and smart. I'm a big believer in, 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 in achieving things and being successful. And all that belief, it still don't come before having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you know like I know, at some point in time, you're going to get older and you can't do what you used to do. And all of the achievement will mean nothing but your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is forever. It is what's going to take you into eternity. And we need to make sure that is more important than anything else in your life. Go get a great education. Sister Raby got her master's the other day. Get that. Sister Maja got her master's. Sister Scarlett want to get her master's. Sister Sylvia got her master's. Just keep on going and get all you can and be successful and make as much money as you can. But don't let it come before Jesus. Don't let it come before your relationship with God. And if it starts to get into the way, sit it on the back burner for a little while and say, God is messing with my stuff, with me and you. I'm not going to do that right now. I need to get right with you. I need to get spiritually connected before I go back to that. Yes. Yes. We got to look at things the right way so God can help us. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 verse 25, For what is a man's advantage? For what is a man's advantage? If he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. Even Jesus is telling us that. That it's great to be successful and all good, but don't you allow success to get in the way of your spiritual walk. 
you can you can you can you can you can achieve a whole lot. Even the whole world. Verse 26. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angel. If you are ashamed of Jesus, when he come, you will be ashamed. That's what it means. So if you're ashamed of the word of God, if you're ashamed to live for God, if you're ashamed to let him, people see him operate in your life, if you're ashamed of that, if you live your life that way, when Jesus returns, you're going to be ashamed because you will not go with him. And you're going to be the one bawling and crying and gnashing and weeping up teeth, gnashing up teeth and weeping because you're ashamed. Whatever the superficial reason for being ashamed of the gospel, they all arise from misunderstanding or forgetting the radical, eternal, and awesome nature of God. We can't let anything get in the way of who God is to us. The Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. How about we make it personal and keep saying to ourselves, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed to live for God. I am not ashamed to say I'm a believer. I'm not ashamed to look like a believer. I'm not ashamed to talk like a believer. I'm not ashamed to live like a believer. We can't allow this unbelieving dark world to cause us to compromise who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to to live. We allow that things instead of we the Bible says where sin abound, grace abound that much more. And there's a lot of example of um there's a scripture that says when 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 the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. Every time our world get more evil, and every time things come against you more, you got to increase and intensify in your relationship and in your walk with God. When things are getting out of control, I do it. Things are getting out of control. I'm saying God is getting serious. I need to do something more than what I'm doing because what I'm doing now is not sufficient. And so God, I got to go to a new dimension in you. I need you to help me. I can't stay where I am to handle what's going on. And a lot of times, a lot of Christians are staying right where they are when things are just getting worse and worse. And you're staying the same. Sooner or later, it will swallow you up. And you'll become just like everybody else. I'm not ashamed to be saved. I don't know how we come to the place of being ashamed of this. The Apostle Paul says, no, sir, I'm not ashamed. Paul lists two reasons why he's not ashamed. The first reason he lists is the gospel is the power of God. You know, when we think about power, what we think. But let me help you real quick. I'm, I'm almost there. The Greek word for power, dunamis, is the source of our word dynamite and dynamic. Paul is saying the gospel can be like a spiritual dynamite. 
He's not ashamed because the gospel is so powerful. It's like spiritual dynamite. Under certain circumstances, it had devastatingly, devastatingly power and a destructive effect in shattering barriers and demolishing sin and worldviews and tradition and paving the way for a person that will be spiritual and be strong. The gospel is powerful enough to break down barriers and to fight for you and to destroy the things that are coming against you. But it's not until you use the gospel that the gospel has power. If you don't use it, it don't have no power. That's why to some people, it's foolishness. It's not no power in it because they don't use it. And you can't use it in your speech only. You got to... Use it in how you live your life. The gospel is powerful. And that's why Paul says, guess what? I'm not ashamed of it because it's powerful. Can you understand? The gospel is powerful. And that's why I'm not ashamed. It can do things that nobody else can do. It can, oh my God, help us today. We got to trust the word of God and know that it will shatter things and destroy things. We got to give it a try. You gotta give it a try. Man, I, I, I can't tell you. My youngest brother always asks me. He always says, Man, big bro, you got it going on. Man, you know how many times I gotta tell him? I don't have it going on. Jesus has been good to me because I've been faithful in believing. I, I kept believing the Lord. He keeps saying, Big brother, no, man, no, don't have anything to do with me. If I wasn't living for Jesus, I'd probably be like one of y'all. I'd probably be drinking every day and hanging out every day and doing this and doing that. But because I trust Jesus Christ and I've surrendered my life to Him, He do all of the work. I can't take credit for anything else. Only thing I can take credit for is just keep on following Jesus. The only thing I can take credit for is keep on trusting Jesus. But all that's going on and all that's getting done, it's not me. It's greater that is in me, that is working in me. It's not me. I can't do anything, but Jesus can do all things. We got to trust Jesus. We got to let him work. He'll make you look good every time, better than you really are. I laugh. I smile with the Lord. I smile with the Lord all the time. I say, Lord, you make us look better than we are. Uh huh. We look all cleaned up. We have good language. You know, we, 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 we know how to talk right and, you know, people perceive us in a different kind of way. If we just keep trusting and living for God and I'm smiling, I'm like, that's only because of you, Jesus. It's only because of you. Yeah, because if, if it wasn't for him, we'll be doing it a different way. Like everybody else. Mm -hmm. The the, the dynamite of the gospel deserves to be treated respectfully. It's effective, but we got to treat it respectfully. We can't use this gospel as a weapon. We got to use it as power to do the things of God. Believers must not be ashamed of the simplicity of the gospel. We are a society that has gotten deep. What do I mean by that? You know, meanings and, you know, we want to discuss complicated things now. Sophisticated. We, we got so deep that, you know what, the gospel is so simple that we don't even want to deal with it no more. 
Yeah. We don't want to deal with the gospel anymore. Because in our mind, how can that work? Even God-fearing believers are saying, how does that work? I don't know how can that work. That, that's just, I, I don't know. But guess what? The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2 and 1. Now, understand who the Apostle Paul is. Educated. Scholar. This dude said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. The Apostle Paul said, as intelligent as I am, as much education as I have, as much as I studied the history and understanding of the Word of God, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. I didn't come to you with a great intellect. I came to you in the power of God and just talking about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It was simple then and it's still simple today, but we can't neglect to obey it. We can't neglect to trust it. We can't neglect to practice it. It's simple, but it works. It's simple, but it's powerful. We can't neglect the gospel. It is the power of God. And so if we're going to experience the power of God, we got to understand that we got to trust the gospel. We got to trust the gospel. Um, a lot of times Jesus don't show up in church services by his spirit because we're talking about some other things other than him but he shows up every time you talk about him I learned a long time ago you preach Jesus and the presence of the Lord will always flow into that house. You want to preach all the other stuff? Uh, you might get a little trinket of the power coming in. But you preach Jesus and he, it's, like, it's like it's a magnet to him. You start saying Jesus and he says, here I am. But you preach any other thing. Guess what? He said, well, you're kind of doing your thing. You're letting people know that you're smart. So go ahead and just, you know, get all the glory from your smartness and from your intellect. Go ahead and talk about that stuff there. And then, you know, when you talk about me, I'll come. But if you want to talk about, you know, other things, then I'll stay away. Uh-huh. 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 The second reason why Paul is not ashamed of the gospel, it is the source of salvation. It is the source of salvation. The gospel is the source for salvation. You know what I'd like for us to do before we leave here today? Go and examine your heart and say, God, am I truly converted? Am I really living a saved life? Am, 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 I, am, am I pleasing you? Is there true conversion that has taken place in your heart or you just conformed to an environment, conformed to behaviors that you have just picked up on and noticed? Are you really been changed in your heart? There's a conversion that took place in your heart, in your spirit. There's a conversion that moves you to just be different and to just trust God and to obey God. Did that happen to you or you're just going through the motions? 
are you converted in your heart? I remember the Apostle Paul witnessed to this king named Agrippa. And as Paul talked to him and shared with him the word of the Lord, when Paul was done witnessing to King Agrippa, King Agrippa says, Paul, you almost converted me. You almost persuaded me to be converted. Almost persuaded me to be converted. What King Agrippa was saying is, I, I was feeling you, Paul, and I understood what you were saying, but change never took place in my heart. Change need to take place in our heart for us to know that we're on the right track, for us to know that we're converted. Change need to take place within us. If we're doing the same things over and over, you got to challenge yourself and say, Lord, why do I keep doing the same thing over and over? Am I, am I going in the right direction? Have I truly been converted? Am I truly saved? Or I'm just going through the motion? I ask God that all the time. I'm never satisfied with where I am. I'm always checking my behavior and wondering, uh, why do I think this? Uh, and why do I do this? Uh, and why am I thinking this way? I got to check my behavior all the time. Uh, God, am I really saved? Or am I just going through a religious experience? I ask that all the time. There's a lot of things in life that if you don't make it or you fail or whatever, you'll lose a little something, something, but it won't be that big of a deal. If my house burned down today, insurance will take care of it. And there are things that you're going to lose in that home that you'll never get back. Right? And you can go build another house or buy another house, but there's some things you're going to lose that you will never get back. But you'll get another house. Mm-hmm. You, 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 your car get total, right? You like your car and you didn't want to get total, but guess what? You got insurance, you'll be able to go buy another vehicle and drive it. You might miss the old one because you loved it so much, but guess what? You can go get another one. Your life isn't that way. This is why we got to get a little bit different with this. This is why this has to be different. Your life is not the same. You don't lose this and get another one. There is no insurance that you can put on this except for believing the gospel. There is no insurance that you can put on this life except for obeying the word of God. Because all the insurance that we buy for when we die is for the people we left behind. Because I always say, if you die in America and there's no money, you'll still get buried. Oh yeah, you'll still get buried. So when you got insurance, you know, we got net life. We die, house get paid off. I got more insurance on me than I have on my wife. I figure she needs more money if I die. <laughs> so the insurance coverage is more on me than it is her. But the point is, if I die, the house paid for, and she get to be a little bit comfortable financially. But I'm gone. I'm not coming back. I'm gone. I can't return. I'm gone. So if I die, then the bottom line is, but the people that are behind is who get taken care of. But guess what? I'm gone. This life don't come back. And for all of you, there is no insurance in life that can change you coming back. Your only insurance is being born again of the water and of the spirit. Your only insurance is obeying the gospel. Your only insurance is trusting Jesus Christ. Your only insurance is living right and walking right. Your only insurance is trusting the Lord and obeying him. That's your only insurance, the gospel. So when you leave out of here, you go in the presence of the Lord.
When you leave out of here, you know you will spend eternity with Jesus. That's your insurance. Now ask yourself, do I have insurance on my car? Uh-huh. Do I have insurance on my life? Uh-huh. Do I have insurance on my home? Uh-huh. Well, now ask yourself, if I leave here today, what's my insurance that I'm going to heaven? The gospel is the source of is the source of salvation, and all who receive this message, it will change their life. It will impact their life. To effect this purpose, the Almighty God gave us the gospel message for our life to be changed. Our life could not be changed without the gospel. What is the gospel? Somebody ask me, what is the gospel? Oh, I'm glad that you asked, what is the gospel? Don't you? I, I'm, I thought you just couldn't wait to hear what is the gospel. Hmm. The gospel is just this, the almighty God, the almighty God who created everything, the almighty God who created the heavens and the earth, the almighty God who created everything and us as well. That almighty God became a man. And he came into this world to the birth of the Virgin Mary. He came into this world and he was born into this world. He grew up into this world and he lived in this world and never did one wrong thing. Never sinned, never done anything wrong. And when he was able, old enough, guess what? He became the savior of this world. He sacrificed his life. He gave his life. He shed, they shed his blood that he is able now to reach us. But he gave his life. He sacrificed his life just so you and me could be saved. I don't know how old that get for you. I don't know if you get tired of hearing that, but I'm here to tell you this morning, the gospel of Jesus Christ is how we're saved. It's what he has done with his life. What Jesus did with his life is why we have the opportunity to be saved. God's gift to us is Physical life. That's God's gift to us. Physical life. Our gift to God is what we do with that life. I don't know if you're going to ever get that, but guess what? If you are one that like to say, if somebody does good to me, Bob, I'm going to do good to them. And because God did good to me to give me eternal life, an opportunity for eternal life, he gave me breath. He died for me. He lived a life to be an example for me to follow. And because he gave me that gift, my gift back to him is to live a life that will be pleasing to him. It's to live a life that will make him say, I'm proud of you. I thank God for you. That's the life that I want to live. There is nothing greater than you raising up children and everything that you put in them, you watch them living it out. You a proud papa, proud mama, proud uncle, proud whatever you want to be. When you look and you see children was raised up and you just deposited in them while you were raising them. And you taught them and you was an example to them. And now they become old enough now to put into practice the things they saw in you. The things that you taught them. Now they're practicing it. You know what you just do? You stand back and say, look at my boy. You stand back and say, look at my baby girl. You just stand back and you just look at it and you're so proud. Well, I'm telling somebody this morning, that's what Jesus would like to see in all of our lives. He was the example. He gave his life for us and all he wants to do is stand back and say, look at my boy. Look at my daughter. 
Lord. Everything that I did, it was not for nothing. It was for something. Because look at them. Look how they're living. Look how they're affecting the world. Look how they praise. Look how they worship. Look at them. I'm so proud. Will somebody let the gospel change them? Convert them? Will somebody let the gospel work in your life? Oh, help me, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands and worship the Lord. Lift your hands and worship Him. God, I want the gospel to work in my life. I want the gospel to transform my life. I want the gospel to empower my life. I want to be saved. 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 I want to make the gospel work in the name of Jesus. Salvation. When when we talk about being saved, that's what we're talking about. Salvation. When we're talking about being saved, what we're really saying is, I am delivered. I am delivered from guilt. I am delivered from shame. I'm delivered from condemnation. I've got purpose now. I live righteous. I live holy. The gospel, because of the gospel and the spirit of God, I am empowered. I can't do it on my own, but with God all things are possible. And I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to sustain this relationship in Christ. There is no true salvation where there is not an evidence of present departure from sin. We want to say we're saved. I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. I'm not talking to, talking down and derogatorily to anyone. But we got to be careful because so often we become, uh, we, we say, uh, you know, we tell the world that we're Christians. And then we, we show them something else. And we post all these things on Facebook saying, here I am, I'm this. But really and truly, that's not how you, Jesus wants to see you live. It's not about trying to impress anybody else. It's what Jesus Jesus is expecting from all of us. What is he expecting from you? What is Jesus expecting from you? You can't say you're this and you're that, but it's not measuring up with the word of God. I can't tell people how to behave, but this is what I just think people got to be smart about. If you know you're not fully committed, if you know you're not fully there, stop telling everybody about the Lord. It's wasted words. Listen, I gotta be honest with you. Just let me share that this is my heart right here. That, that, that I see people post things, but I see a whole bunch of drinks. A little cocktail here, a little cocktail there, and they're saying God is good. Listen, man, I don't, I, 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 listen. I got my own issues that I know I've messed up and I'm not perfect. I get that. But what I'm saying is, don't Present God in a derogatory way. And if you're sitting at the table with your cocktail and you're doing things that's not godly, you don't need to post that on Facebook. You need to say within your heart, I know God is all powerful. I know God is real. I know God expects me to be holy. I know God expects me to be righteous. I know God expects me to live a certain way. But right now, I'm not living that way. So I'm not trying to publish what I'm doing and how I'm living. I'm going to wait till 
I get it together, then I tell somebody, Jesus is Lord. He saved me from alcohol. He saved me from drugs. He saved me from gambling. He saved me from pornography. He saved me from all of my sins. I got to wait till I get there. I can't be jumping on Facebook telling everybody how good God is. And I'm showing them I'm not living the way God wants me to live. That's why we all messed up. Because we want to say we're godly and still do what we're doing. When we going to call the spade the spade? I'm talking about yourself, not somebody else. I'm quick to tell you, I ain't writing that. No, that wasn't right of me. I, I can't post something on Facebook about the Lord, how good he is. But right in front of me, I'm saying he can't be that good because I wouldn't be living that. We got to do better than that. That's what make the gospel powerless in our life. You're not practicing it. Jesus Christ was holy. Holy. We want everything from God. But the number one thing we run away from, holy. Somehow we think we can't achieve holiness. Or somehow we just think that holiness is, 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 oh no, this is the... Holiness is from within. I want you to tell me. Give me this. All you smart people. Tell me what's on the inside that don't eventually come outside. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Eat your, you eat a nice steak, sooner or later it's coming out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You, you, you listen to certain kind of things, sooner or later you're going to start talking like that. You watch certain kind of things, sooner or later. So guess what? If I'm holy on the inside, sooner or later it's going to come on the outside. It's going to reflect me saying, that dude is holy. That woman is holy. Why? Because it's already in me. Holiness can't be inside only. It's got to come outside too. If we're going to be saved, we got to be honest with ourselves. That's how the gospel work. This is why Paul says, I am not ashamed. Can I tell you this? If you ever embrace this gospel, the first time you embrace the gospel, I'm closing right now. The first time you embrace the gospel is because you became ashamed. <laughs> you better work with me this morning. The first time you will give your life to God, it means you had experienced shame. If you never experienced shame and you save, you ain't save. Uh-huh. I know you're quiet now. You're waiting to say, oh, what you, where is he going? When the gospel is preached, it makes you feel so bad. When the gospel is preached, it makes you realize you're a mess. When the gospel is preached, it, it, it exposes you. It don't have, it's not personal. It's what God is doing because he's trying to save you. And the way God will save you will let the gospel be preached to you. And when the gospel is preached to you and it makes you ashamed, you get up and say, God, forgive me. I know I'm a mess. Forgive me, Lord. You just pointed out all the stuff that I've done wrong. You just pointed out how I've been living. You got me, Lord. Lord, I am so embarrassed, but God, 
how do I get, make it right? And the Lord said, come unto me, all you that are laden, all you that needs rest. He said, come unto me. And when you come to the Lord and you repent of your sins and you ask God to cleanse you and forgive you, you're repenting because you was ashamed for what you've done. You're repenting because you were exposed by God for what you have done. If you don't go to God and repent, it meant you never was ashamed. It meant you never got yourself together. Uh-huh. That's how it work. And so, if you ever truly get converted, go to God. Guess what? You were ashamed at some point in time. And that's why you pursue him. You were ashamed. You said, man, I messed up. I'm a mess. And guess what? He called me out. And so he called me out. And I'm ashamed. Put my tails between my legs. And I walk to the altar where I find some place and say, God, you got me. You exposed me. I am ashamed for how I've lived. I'm ashamed for how I've treated you. I'm ashamed for just just ignoring you and all that you've done for me. I'm ashamed. God, will you forgive me? I I'm, I know I've been messed up. I know I haven't done right. Will you forgive me? And hear me now. I'm hearing the Holy Ghost. A lot of people do that, but keep going back to doing what they used to do. And God is saying, that's not how it works. If you really was ashamed, you're going to repent of your sins. And you're going to try to stay far away from that stuff. You're going to try to make sure you get rid of all your accomplices. And say, let me get with some people that are holy. Let me get some people that are righteous. And you stay away from all that stuff. When you are exposed by the gospel, that's the shame that you experience. But when you experience that shame, and you repent... Hear me, hear me, hear me. There is some of us here today that, that, that God speaks to us and we become ashamed. Listen, it's between you and God. Everybody don't have to know. When Adam, just think about this. When Adam hid himself in the garden, who was he hiding from? He wasn't hiding from nobody because there was nobody else there but him and his wife. So he wasn't hiding from anybody but God. So your shame is not uh, with people. I'm not saying sometimes you don't get ashamed and people because people know, but you should be ashamed when you messed up in the eyes of God. That's where the shame comes in. And God is saying, uh, that listen to me, daughter, listen to me, son. Uh, yes, it's okay that you're ashamed, uh, but I love you. Uh, and I, it's not my intent to make you feel bad, uh, but it's my method of how I'm going to save you. Uh, and so now that you're ashamed, uh, I want you to come to me. Uh, I love you. Just come on. Uh, and what I want for you to be uh, is so ashamed uh, that you will ask for forgiveness. Uh, and I will forgive you. Uh, and I will deliver you and I will set you free and you no longer have to be ashamed and because I forgave you and I deliver you I will raise you up and you better not deny me let that gospel work in your life let people know who I am to you let people know what I've done for you let people know somebody better help me today we gotta let people know what Jesus has done for us that the gospel it is God's power unto our salvation. The gospel God gave to us through the life that he lived. Stand with me today. All of that God has done for us. 
all of what God has done for us. Why should we be ashamed to say, I'm going to look this way? Why should we be ashamed to say, I'm going to lift my hand and pray? Why should I be ashamed to say, I am going to talk this way? Why should I be ashamed of anything when Jesus... Oh, my God, the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. I just heard the Lord says, when, when he was on that cross and he was naked, wasn't he ashamed? They mocked him. He was ashamed before people. All for you. And now you're ashamed of him. You're ashamed to live for him. You're ashamed to act like you're a Christian. When he was on the cross and he was naked. Just so you will have an opportunity to be saved. He went through all of that. And now you're afraid to say I serve Jesus Christ and now you're ashamed to pray out loud and now you're ashamed to lift your hands and say Jesus I worship you and now you're ashamed to walk to the front of a church congregation and call on the name of the Lord and now you're ashamed to read your Bible in front of people and now you're ashamed to get up out of your bed and go to church on Sunday morning and come to Bible study on Thursday and come to prayer on Saturday and now you got excuses and now you're ashamed and God is saying look at me on the cross I know I'm not on it anymore I I know I'm not on the cross anymore but can you picture how I was on the cross how I was naked how my hands were spread wide how my feet was and they looked on me they put a crown of thorn on my head and then they mocked me and tried to give me vinegar to drink do you know that's what I was doing I was on that cross for you and you can't represent me chapter 3 verse 9 says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise uh, as men count slackness uh, but it is long suffering to us word uh, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance uh, God is not slack concerning his promises uh, he wants us to come to him uh, and repent uh, he is not slack uh, he wants us to come to him uh, he wants us to come to him uh, somebody in here who don't know how to get this gospel working uh, in your life I tell you in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 the scripture says then Peter said unto them 
them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord thy God has called, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly receive his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto the church about 3,000 souls. If you want to let this gospel start working in your life, you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to go before God. Bring all your shame and say, God, I have sinned. I have done wrong. But I come to you today and I ask, Lord God, that you'll be merciful to me. And I ask that you'll forgive me of my sins, O God. For I have sinned against you, Lord. But I ask that you will forgive me of my sins. And Lord, today I commit my life to you. Oh God, what must I do to be saved? And the Lord will tell you, oh, will you repent? Will you turn from your ways of ungodliness? Will you turn from your ways of shamefulness and be baptized. How should I be baptized, Lord? He said in the name of Jesus Christ for the removal of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for it is the Holy Ghost that will help you and enable you to keep obeying the gospel, to keep trusting the gospel. And he said you will be added to the body of Christ which is the church of the living God. And then from that point on, you live your life obeying and trusting and living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody call on the name of the Lord today. Call on the name of Jesus today. Call on the name of Jesus today. This could be your last opportunity to change direction. This could be your last opportunity to look to the Lord where there's grace being extended and you can respond and be able to overcome and be able to be strong to do what God has called you to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, Spirit of the living God, will you deliver today? Will you heal today? Will you set free today? Will you restore today? Oh my God, will you give us instructions and directions today? Will you cause great change to take place deep down within us that we're never ever the same? Lord Jesus, let none of us walk out of here today the same way we walked in, but let there be a miraculous change. Let there be a miraculous work of the Spirit deep down within our soul. Let there be a work of God that we will never be the same. Oh, Jesus. We give you the honor and the praise. Jesus, have your way today. There is none like you, Lord. There is none like you, O God. There is none like you, O God. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Lord most high. We worship you. We adore you. 
We adore you. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. God is saying, there Hallelujah. is more than oh. require of thee. Ah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will your Hallelujah. Hallelujah. somebody. Don't let this day pass you by without stretching forth and say, Jesus, help me today. Jesus, have your way today. Oh, let the gospel work in my life, great God. It is the power of God unto salvation. Tell the Lord yes. yes. 